Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, so we're going to talk about being founded for the next three weeks, being founded. It's an interesting word because normally we'll hear that word and it speaks of like the creation of an institution, right? Like here, this was founded on such and such date or founded in such and such year. And I wanted to get into multiple aspects of this word for the next few weeks um, because I want to talk about what it means to be founded in, in Christ, okay? That's what we need to be about is being founded in Christ. So here's the word. Three things that, that I want to say about this word that it means. One, to bring something into existence. Two, to build a support in the ground for a large structure, such as a building or road. Or three, to base a belief, a claim, idea, etc., on something. And we're going to touch on all those three aspects of that definition over the next few weeks about this thing of being founded in Christ. So this week we'll talk about being found by Christ. Next week we'll talk about being established in Christ. And then the last week we'll talk about being built by Christ. These ideas that we get into in order to really focus ourselves and know what it means to be in him and of him and walk out all he's called us to. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. I declare over it that it's going to be good seed and good soil. I pray over, let my mouth be be a mouthpiece for you today, Lord. So I put myself out of the way in this process and I say have your way in this process and let every person hear and receive what they are called to receive. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. All right, let's jump right into our background passage, which is going to carry us the next few weeks. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, and like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless Jesus. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You're God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul, and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. Mm. I'm going to send you all home on that, man. The word, the word, the word is so good. So there's a few things I want to highlight in that passage of scripture. I've loved that for years. Most of you guys are familiar with verse 9. 
right? Because it's one of those declaration scriptures. It's the ones that make it onto the coffee mugs and t-shirts. Some of those are taken out of context, but that's a good one that, that usually shows up, right? Coffee mug, t-shirt, journal, that kind of thing. You know, you're, you're a, a chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, etc. You know, it's a powerful declaration. But I want to dig into the fuller picture for us of what does that mean to be founded and established in Christ. Um, you know, the reality of our lives is that being lost okay, is the state that all of us were in until Christ comes. And if that's you today, my prayer and my hope is that you, you, you're found today, that you receive Christ today. But the reality of something that's lost, the lostness of that thing cannot be found by that thing. That thing's just lost, okay? Unto itself, it's lost, okay? Somebody needs to find it, okay? So you really need to see yourself like that item that has no power or ability to find itself and replace itself where it needs to be. See yourself in the reality of what our lives are, lost and hopeless without him. Because we get to a point sometimes after you've been saved, then you figure, oh, this is kind of old hat, I'm good. Like you forget the significance of the hopelessness without Christ. We forget the significance of that and then we turn to the world and we look at the world and we're like, yeah, why don't you just do what I'm doing? Come on, bro, did you forget that you were lost and dead in your sin as the scripture says? Hopeless, no chance. But God, in his rich mercy and grace, made a way for us to come out from being lost to being found, from being in the darkness to being in the light, from being a cast out one to being a son of God in his house. Don't begin to hope in your flesh. Or the fact that you came up, we were just joking about being back there in the party life. Don't, don't joke, you know, think that, oh, I'm so far removed from that, that I'm so holy now. Oh, be holy in him, yes. Holiness, it's a thing, for sure. Forget what the generation's telling you. Holiness is a thing, <laughs> okay? But we can't put confidence in us. We've got to remember that we're founded. We're founded. We're established in Christ. So let's go here to the first point. Again, we are found by Christ, just like we just were saying. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who did what? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you were not, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So this point right here, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have to realize and remember that even in our salvation, right? It's not our own doing. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 will tell you that. By grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, lest anyone should boast. So you have nothing to do with the process except receiving. Come on, let me get another amen on that. You got nothing to do with the process except receiving. The salvation work of God was not because you got enough volition and said, time for life change. I watched a couple inspirational shows, a couple episodes of Intervention and Eonula and whatever else, and now I'm ready. I'm going to fix my life. I'm going to change. No, 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 no. You got to understand that this is the conviction of God. What does it say of the Holy Spirit? That he comes to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So if you're saved today, it's because you were convicted of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, why? Sin, because our sin has separated us from him. No chance that you're going to fix that. 
of righteousness because the righteousness is only going to come because of Christ Jesus. All our righteousness is as filthy rags, the scripture says. And of judgment because there is a judgment coming. Don't let anybody fool you. There is one coming and you want to be found in the right, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. Not because you can make it so great, but because you received the grace and the mercy of God. See, I want to stand with his resume when it comes time. Come on, people. Because spiritually, I ain't putting my resume up compared to what Jesus offers. Sub! Let me get a sub! Tapping out. Jesus, go ahead. Wherever he's going. I'm going with him. Understand and remember that. We are found by Christ. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Don't think that you got it together now. Here I am in America. I'm a Christian. Yeah, got it together. Yeah, okay. By his mercy, you live wherever you live. By his mercy, you even are breathing right now. Facts of the matter, people. By his grace and mercy. So we remember we're found by Christ. Second thing, we're made alive in Christ when he finds us. I'm going to tag on to that scripture, a couple others, a couple of my favorites. We were just in Ephesians chapter 2. But look at Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 5. It says this, but God, being rich in mercy. (laughs) Oh, my God, so much so. I don't know if any of you are like me, like you can identify that like if you were God, you'd have been done with you a long time ago. Tell the truth. Come on. I don't assume y'all are perfect now. But like you'd have been done with you a long time ago if you were God. Thank God you're not God. I thank God you're not God. I thank God I'm not God. That's the foolishness of the new age spirituality is that somehow we're God. I mean, that's, I don't have time. That's another sermon. Let me stop. Let me stop because we'll be over here all afternoon going into that. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. You see, the beauty of being found is the greater thing in being found is, is, is what Louis Giglio often says. Christ didn't come to make bad people good. He comes to make dead people live. Come on. He said that. I was in the audience when he said that, and I was like, boy, white boy, you better preach that two more times. <laughs> Seriously. He didn't come to make bad people good clean you up a little bit. Oh, he will in the sanctification process if you stay with him. Stay with him. Follow him. He'll change some things in your life. But what he did was come to make the dead people live. You are dead in your sin and trespasses, but then you're made alive in Christ. So that's the idea is there's no progressive justification. Okay, let's get theological for a minute here. There's no progressive justification. That's done as a work of the Spirit when you come to him. There is a progressive sanctification, meaning once you come to him and he starts to make some changes in your life. Okay, but that minute of being made right with him, that's not a thing that you can like progressively get a little better and uh, tip the scales, oops, saved now. (laughs) No, 
It is because he's done it according to the work of the Spirit in your life because you've received what Christ has done. So there's no progression to get to that point of being right with God. Now, all this process here of your life and the stuff that you need to change, the stuff that you need to stop doing, some stuff you need to start doing, all that's being sanctified in his presence. First, first Thessalonians 4.3 says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Okay? So he's going to take you through that process upon salvation. But again, you are being made alive by the work of the Spirit of God. So now that you're alive in Christ, now there's some things that you need to walk in because you're alive in Christ. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says about it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So our declaration, right, if we're going to stand in a mirror and say something to ourselves, it's a declaration of what the Word of God says. All right? It's not us trying to conjure something up and make something up according to the flesh. It's us declaring, what does the word say? So I want to look into the word, and the word is going to say, this is what I'm supposed to be looking like and living like. And so in this word here, it says that, what? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Some of y'all need to get that when the enemy wants to jump on your back and get you back into the old ways. You say, no, 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 no. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's not just a catchy phrase for you. That's the word of God. So when you come with a temptation or something that wants to draw you back into the old way, back into the old life, you say, no, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold, the new has come. And sometimes you're not just saying that for a declaration for everybody. You got to say that for you. Because you're questioning and doubting what it is that God needs to do in your life. And you're saying, behold, to somebody else, you need to stop and just say to you, you, behold, the new has come. Behold, the new has come. You know, I love Psalm 103 because, um, man, I didn't mean, I'm quoting a whole bunch of scriptures that aren't on my paper, but that's fine. That's good. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Who is he talking to? His self. <laughs> I know that wasn't proper grammar. He's speaking to himself. I am declaring, bless the Lord, O my soul. You know why? Because sometimes this flesh doesn't want to bless him. Would rather complain. Would rather doubt and, and, and fear and unbelief. Would rather go by what I can handle myself. You, you are in heaven, Lord, and the scripture says you do whatever you please, but right now I'm going to do what I please. And sometimes you got to say it to yourself. No, 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 no. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Why? Because I was dead and I now live. Not I was really bad and I'm not quite as bad anymore. Not I was bad and now I'm pretty good. Not I was looking really shady, but now people think I'm a good person. No, I was dead and now I live. So when things are out of alignment in my life that say dead man still, in the flesh, I have to say, no, 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 I'm alive in Christ. I'll say I'm dead to the sins, but I'm alive to Christ. I'm dead to that. I can't do that anymore. It's not even an option because I'm alive in Christ. It's like Pastor Ron was saying, you say yes to some stuff, and it ends up automatically, you say, you say a no to a whole bunch of other stuff. Okay? I use myself again. This whole marriage with my wife over here, this ring. This says to everybody, I said no to all the rest of y'all. 
Some of you guys need to get the attitude like that in your walk with the Lord when the enemy and the world runs up on you. You better be like this. I do it sometimes, man. I'm walking through the mall. My lovely wife isn't with me looking fine, and she always is. Sorry, I'm, I got a stage flirt today because it's my anniversary. So. So, so, you know, the party started early. All right. Don't go, James. So, I'm saying, it's children in here. That's how y'all children got here. Um, it's the situation that we're facing here. You know what I mean? So, walking through the mall, okay. I'm walking through the mall. Oh. Yeah, th- this young lady obviously doesn't understand that I'm like 44 years old and could be her father when she's trying to smile at me. I'm like, I want to get a t-shirt sometimes and say, I'm way older than you think, baby. <laughs> I'm like, just keep on walking. And I got six kids otherwise, so move on. Move on. But sometimes I'm like, I'll be like this. <laughs> I'm like... And you know what? You laugh, but some of you guys need to get that way with your walk with the Lord. That when the enemy wants to come after you and the world systems want to come after you and think like, do we have an option? (laughs) Is there a chance? And you're like, nah. Nope. To quote Justice Clarence Thomas, there's not a snowflake's chance in hell. There's no chance. I know to whom I belong. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I know to whom I belong. I was dead and now I live. And so I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that? (laughs) Just laugh. Go ahead. (laughs) Really? Ain't nobody got time for that? Really, I don't because I know who I am, because why? The old has passed away, behold the new has come. I've been made alive in Christ, I'm a new creation in him, in him. Third point, we must always remember that there is no hope for man outside of the saving work of Jesus Christ. We must always remember that there's no hope for man outside the saving work of Jesus Christ. You see it first in you, established, and that reality reaffirmed over and over and over again. And then when you look to somebody else, see it that way. I told the story this week to somebody about when my dad got saved. And I was a, a, a teenager in high school when, when um, I begun this, this deep concern for my dad's salvation. And I remember one night I woke up, I was in 10th grade. And you know, I, I t- t- this, this is definitely 10th grade boys don't want anybody knowing that they were in their bedroom crying, but I was. I woke up and I was just sobbing, like shaking and sobbing. And I, I'm not a big crier all the time. Sometimes now that I'm a little bit older, I guess I'm more emotional, but you know. Um, but I, I'm waking up sobbing because I'm at my dad's funeral and he's not saved. Never forget that night. Woke up, sitting in that bedroom, and I thought, oh my, 
what do we do, Lord? And I just continued to preach the gospel to my dad and do what I thought and then this and that. And then I got around to about my second year of college. And the Holy Spirit said, stop preaching. Love him and serve him. And I'm not saying that's your word. You better know what the word of the Holy Spirit is for you, though. We'll go back to that in a minute. You better know what the Lord's word is for you. And he spoke that to me. And I went to my brother. There he is over there. He was leading worship today. Went to my brother. I went to my other two siblings. And I said, this is the word I believe God gave me. You guys do what you believe is in your heart. But I believe we're supposed to love and serve dad. So when I come home, just so y'all know, I'm going to be over here about serving and loving him when I come home for the next however long. And then Holy Spirit began to say, now begin to fast every week. Oh, hey, hey, get behind me, Satan, every week. <laughs> Couldn't have been the voice of the Lord. I feast. Oh, fast. Yeah, fast once a week. Once a week for a few years, fasting and praying, fasting and praying, fasting and praying. And you know what I realized in that process? I came more and more to an understanding that there is no hope for man outside of the saving work of Jesus Christ. I said, I can't save my dad. Anything I do can't save him. But I got to step back and realize, oh, Lord, it is you who saves. And I remember the day sitting in my living room when my dad's telling me after I asked him the question, I was like, Dad, did you give your life to Christ? And he just kind of like nonchalantly was like, yeah. Give me no notice so I could get a little hallelujah run or something, man. I was so stirred and excited because I watched the saving work of God. I thought for years that maybe I'd be, you know, I'm the oldest son. My dad's not saved, so I'm kind of like a, somewhat of a spiritual leader for my family that way. I'll be the one to stand there with him and, and hold his hands and lead him. And no, God's like, it's all good. I got this. I just got to rejoice. To rejoice in the goodness of God because there's no hope outside of him. So I'm encouraging you today, if you got somebody close to you that you're saying, I'm believing for them, and my God, oh, just remember yourself. <laughs> Come on. Come on. The heart of man being changed is the greatest miracle. The turn to the Lord is the greatest miracle. So realize that and continue in that. Remember that in yourself, and then remember it now as we look out to the world. And we're going to talk more about that in week three. So as the cornerstone, he's the foundation that our lives begin with. Remember this in verse um, verse 6, okay? For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Because he's the cornerstone. He's that foundation stone. When you look at this Scripture, it was first stated in um, in in Isaiah chapter 28, 6, and then again in Zechariah 10, 4 in the Old Testament. And God's given this prophecy in which I'm going to lay this stone, this foundation, this cornerstone, and whoever believes in this one will not be put to shame. This will be the cornerstone foundation for the whole building. There's not going to be other changes that you get to make. This is the foundation stone. He's the one you need to receive and align with in order to be in the right place, to be a part of the building that I'm making. Align with him. Be allied with him. There's nobody else you need to look to. You don't need to look to yourself or some other leader or some other uh, spiritual uh, concept. 
You align with Jesus because he is the chief cornerstone. All right? So now, that was the way they did things in buildings back then. So in the ancient world, they understood, okay, the cornerstone, we're building based on that. But I, I said, let me see how I can translate this so you guys can see it a little bit more clearly. So I'm going to ask my son to come help me. And I have a little object lesson for you this morning. Give it up for Kylas. My man. Yeah, give me that first base. Right over here. So let's translate this a little bit. This concept is kind of can be shown when you're building a fence. Okay? All right? In building a fence, again, I'm not an expert, so all the fence guys are going to come correct me after church. I totally know this. It's, and I'm okay with that. I'm totally confident in that. I'm good. But imagine this is a fence post, right? And you're going to set that corner post in order that you know how to build the rest of the fence. Okay? If you talk to, I at least know that, that a fence guy doesn't just kind of randomly say, oh, we'll start in the middle. No kind of follow, somewhat of a straight, hey, stand over there, Bob, put your finger up, and I'll kind of line with you. <laughs> that I know that you don't do. Okay? I know a little bit, I can build a few things, but that, I, and I'm not a fence guy, but that I know for certain that's not how they do things. You get that corner post. And so what God said, you're good, Kai, thank you. This platform, it, it makes sense. Transition. We're Christians, we clap for a bunch of stuff. It's okay, it's fine. Totally cool. It works. So you take that corner post, and as God is saying, I'm, I'm establishing a cornerstone. Again, translate in your mind. We're going to, this corner post. And we're going to take this corner post, and it's going to be the, going to be the start of the whole deal. Jesus. Now, you don't get to go along the way and make some other adjustment. You start with that, that corner post. And here's what they'll usually do. I, I learned this morning, thanks to Oscar, this, this stuff is called, um, what do you say, masonry line? Is that what it's called? Yeah. String line. String line, whatever, okay. All right, so you, you, you go ahead and set your line in place so that when you get ready to do the next part of the process, you have your reference point, right? Let's see if I can make this happen. See? Uh-huh. There they go. I'm going to tie it on the top. See, there they go already. So we use lasers, man. Come on, what you doing? They say 1922. Mr. Phil's like, but we understand. You're a preacher and a musician. But we're going to get the point across here, all right? But we set our line. And what happens is this. When I set this line, a wonderful thing happens because now, that's exactly right. I have direction. See, we get down further and further. This could be further. Imagine it's a laser. <laughs> I got you. I got to see you. We're okay. When I get further down the line, 
Like here looks good? No. Here. Not based on this. Based on this. I get a thousand feet that way. Is it based on? No, it's not even based on this. He said, but the line's there. No, no, no. But you understand that that line is simply a representation of what the original is, which is what we are to focus on. So we're going back over and over and over and over again to what? The cornerstone. I'm going back to the cornerstone. So as it relates to everything in life, he, here's the deal. He must be the guide for everything in your life. He has to be the guide for every part of your life. The word of God, Jesus Spirituality, identity, family, sexuality, politics, economics, social issues, all of it goes back to Jesus. So see, the thing is, what's happening is for some people, they're going down the way and you're taking your post that comes after the cornerstone, the corner post, and they get to here and you hit a rock. You got one of those, what do they call them? The augers, right? Drill a little hole in the ground, right? I, I know at least that, see? They're like, okay, good. They'll correct me if you need to, building people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a post hole digger, if you don't have the money to rent the auger, go ahead and get a post hole digger, call it a day. Get your post hole digger. You hit a rock. You see, the representation of that in a spiritual sense, some of us are ready once we hit that rock. Can I do it again? Some of y'all hit a rock, and you assume now, it would be better if I put the post at the point of least resistance. But let me tell you what you're not going to build, a good fence. And let me tell you what you're not going to build into the spirit, a good spiritual life, because you have now said, "Eh, move this over here, Eh, move this over here. Some of you guys hit some kind of obstacle that's in front of you, and you say, well, you know, I can mold my fence to that. All of it. Now I gotta adjust my theology a little bit, adjust my doctrine a little bit because you know, it's a little bit sketchy over here and now it's gonna be harder. The word of God says here. You got a rock here, it's difficult, but the post goes here. You got an obstacle in front of you, you got the opinion of your own heart, the opinion of a friend, the opinion of a family member, Mm-mm. Stay in line. Stay on the line from the cornerstone. You go down and you're like, well, you know, somebody questioned my faith and I'm not quite sure now what I think, or what I believe about Christ. And, you know, so I guess I'll deconstruct my faith. See what I get and maybe I'll figure something out. Mm-mm. It goes here. Because just like building something off of that corner post or that cornerstone, you're going to have issues down the road because you haven't built according to what you were supposed to. You don't have to like the fence line, but you do if you want a good fence. If you don't want the association saying, uh, Mr. Segarra, we approved you to build a fence that went along your property line, not one that veered into your neighbor's property line, back into yours, and then into the street. And how did you get that post in the middle of the street anyway? 
It sounds kind of crazy and stupid, right? But that's what we are doing in the spirit when we start moving the line here and there and everywhere. We haven't gone based on the cornerstone. We haven't gone based on the corner post, the foundation, the directive from the word of God. So now we're over here looking crazy. And even the world might look at us like we're crazy. And let me give you a tip. The answer is not based on getting public opinion surveys from the world on how you ought to build your fence. Ooh. Ooh. Shake the head. No. That's not how we're building the fence. It's according to the cornerstone. So Jesus comes and he's there as the foundational directive for our lives. And I know that I had no hope because I was dead and now, now I've made alive and now he's got my life on this trajectory and that's the trajectory of my life. Uh, but Lord, wouldn't you, a lot of rocks in that, we're supposed to put posts there. God, there's a few trees there. God, there's some people over there. They're not looking at me quite the way I want them to look at me. God, there's some enticing things right here. He's got a trajectory. Set it based on the word of God. The word of God will determine what that direction is and what you should be building and how. So we've got to set our focus on what he says and not what we say. On what he says and not what the world says. On what he says and not what opinions are. We must be set here. And it doesn't matter how, we could take this thing all the way across the street. We can take this thing, what direction are we? We take this thing all the way till we get to the coastline. Does it change what this is? Never. Our problem is we sometimes think the word of God needs revisions based on us. Clearly, God, you couldn't have meant that when you said it. Because clearly you're looking at my life and seeing the difficulties and the challenges I'm facing. So come on, Jesus, really? Really? Is that what you really meant to say? Was that? Yeah. And then as the Holy Spirit brings a word, a rhema word, which never contradicts scripture, but might be specific for, specifically for you like he did for me. When he says, stop preaching because I need you to love and serve your father. What'd you do? Oh, well, God, you know, I got these scripture verses and I'm a pretty charismatic person. So let me, let me talk him into it. Boo. You talk them into it, you'll have to talk them into it every day. Because it's a work of the flesh and not a work of the spirit. You'll get in that relationship because, oh, she was fine and he was fine and I thought I could talk it up. Get ready to pay a price. God can redeem. God can redeem. But trust. Sometimes prices are paid because we haven't gone by what the word of God is. That's why we're so confused right now in the political realm. Because we want to go, God, I want all your good stuff, but then I want to do everything else my way. And we've been confused politically for a long time. It is what it is. Because we get so far, and then we're like, well, God, I do want all of that stuff, but then I don't really want that stuff. So uh, could I get these things and say I'm good? It's It's the syndrome I always talk about. Everyone who's been a teenager who's been there, and some of you guys who are teenagers now, it's this right here. Mom, Dad, I hate you, but drop me at the mall in 30 minutes with money. (laughs) Right? Thank God for our teenagers who are not walking in that. But that's some people's reality. And some stuff they walked in. 
God, I want this stuff, but I don't want to walk in your ways. I want your benefits, but I don't want to bless you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His benefits, not because I came up with them. It's in him that we live and that we move and that we have our being. So when we come back to this right here, every single time, it might not be in vogue. It might not be in step with the world. It might not be what everybody else wants you to do. But you got to come to this over and over and over again. And I'm spending a lot of time on this today because this is foundational for us. And also because of this. I learned something a long time ago. I think I shared this with you guys the other day watching Michael Jordan. I mean, not personally, like I didn't know him. I don't know, so you know. Not like in person. But something about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was doing the stuff that eight-year-olds do on the basketball court. You know what I mean? Oh, everybody's gone. Everybody jumped in their sports car. Back at the house, at the hotel. Hey, chilling with the ladies. Here's Mike. Then he's over here. Trolling down. Lay up. See that basketball coach has got left left leg? <laughs> Basics over and over and over again. So one of the things I want to drive in you today is do not be bored with the basics. Don't. Stop. Some of y'all, ah, we got to new, 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 new. Not always, because some of y'all got the basics yet, including me. Stop getting bored with the basics. You know, some kid comes at me and he hasn't won a basketball game. He wants to talk about, oh, coach, man, I don't want to shoot no free throws. <laughs> Maybe you should, because you haven't won yet. Hello? I mean, am I telling the truth? My sport, golf. <laughs> God, I don't want to. That's putting, if you don't know golf, we're putting. You're over here putting, you're on the green, and you're putting, and you're putting. Uh, I want to be the guy, grab the big driver, rah, 350 yards down the middle, which is probably m- most, none of y'all, okay? That's just, that's far. <laughs> You want to be that guy, yeah, all the guys look at you on the golf course, chest out, 350-yard drive down the middle. But you know what? It's the same. If you don't know golf, it's the same. When the guy who can barely hit it far enough and the guy who hits it there, they're sitting there, both of them with a five-foot putt, both of y'all got to make the five-foot putt. Doesn't matter how far you hit it. And what is that about? Basics. Fundamentals. Take the same mindset with your spiritual life. Some of you guys need to embrace and love the basics and not feel like you need something new or to go over here or to go over there. Well, I just think I need to change the scenery. I got to go to that church or this church or this ministry or that many I need new, 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 new. Man, stir yourself if you need to. But get into the basics. I fear there's too many Christians who have been to like 10 churches in 10 years. Why? Because they don't know their word anyway. You ain't praying anyway. Haven't stayed in a relationship long enough to mend any fences that you need to to walk out what the scripture says in the way that we actually love one another rather than being quick to make Facebook posts and news media posts and whatever else about how we need to love. Like, have you done it in your own circle? Have you done it in your own world? 
You know, a lot of people got a lot of mouth on television and shows and movies right now about race, but what does your friend's circle look like? I sat enjoying myself yesterday at my nephew's football game. Why? Because you had black, white, Latino families loving on each other to cheer on some kids playing ball. And we didn't need a government program to tell us to do that. And I didn't need somebody else's article to tell me I, I, I just had to do that. Why? Loving the basics, which are founded in the cornerstone, in Christ. Don't get off track. Love the fact that we are in Christ. Found. Loved. Made alive. In Christ. I took a lot of time on that. I want to, I want to pray for some of y'all today who I believe need a refreshing in that. You know, I knew there was something that, um, that the Lord, I don't know, I didn't know why or what, with my anniversary being today, that the Lord wanted me to just tie into this. And you know, something about being married for 22 years, um, all that, all that fluff and frill, I mean, I remember it, man. I pull up my wedding. I'll pull up, we'll pull out our wedding pictures today. We'll read our vows again and kind of think through. We had no clue back then. Uh-huh. And all the people who've been married longer than me are like, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. We had no clue about the challenges, the difficulties. The fact that I was going to come home some days and we were going to be like, you could go back. <laughs> But you know what makes me joyful at 22 right now is the fact that we said, you know what, over and over, day after day, we're going to love the basics. We're going to love what it means to walk, not in just the frills and it's going to be so special. Listen, we were joking in the, in the, in the, we're in the bathroom talking this week. So my wife texted me two songs and she said, did you get the two songs I sent you? And, and I said, I said, yeah, I didn't listen to them yet, but I mean, she's like, oh, they're so great. I'd listen to it and I thought, that's the kind of song you need to sing me. And I laughed because I've only sung to my wife directly like two, three times in our married life. Melissa's like, shame on you. Shame on you, come on. Because you know what, let's be real. Let me be honest, because what do we think a lot of times? Butterflies and cupcakes and, oh, Jamie can sing and play the guitar. He probably just comes home and like plays the guitar for, you know. Right? But real life, I didn't always have time to be playing no guitar and singing. She needed me to make some money, <laughs> help her with these kids, <laughs> cut this grass. Okay? The basics, day to day. And I guess, yeah, we're going out today. We're going to go have fun and act like we're 22 again. But the basics is what makes that possible. And the basics of your walk with the Lord is what's going to make possible, like we talked about last week, the bigger thing in your life. And the basics are always founded and established in the cornerstone. Jesus, come on and stand. I want to pray over you encouragement today, strength today.
Father, I speak over this house today, God, that this is a place in which we embrace who you are. We embrace what you say for us. I thank you for every family in this place, God, that they are people who love the foundational truth of who Christ is, of the fact that we are in Christ and of Christ and that we are established to walk in your ways. And so I thank you, God, for every challenge that they face today, they are standing firm and standing faithful to what you have said. They are standing firm and faithful saying, man, I know that I was dead and now I'm alive in Christ. And so I'm following faithfully after the purpose and the plan that he has for me. I declare wisdom where wisdom's needed, strength where strength is needed, healing where healing is needed. Every good and every perfect gift does not come from us, it comes from you. So I speak over the families of this house, they receive it today. God, I pray over every single person in this house today. Specifically, God, they are not, you are not waiting for something better. You are walking in the purpose that God has for you right now. Every single person in this house, young to older, God, you are walking in the purpose of God. And if you are not, get a line and get back to the cornerstone and say, Jesus, what do you say for me right now? And you're not saying I'm not good enough right now till the next thing happens or till I find a spouse or get this job or whatever it might be. But you're saying right now you have a purpose for me today, according to what Christ has said. So I bless and release that over every single person in this house today. And now God, I pray over every person right now who does not know you. I'm declaring over them, come and receive the work of the cornerstone. Your word says it clearly. He who believes on him will not be put to shame. And so if that's you today, we're all gonna pray this together. But if that's you today, just lift a hand and let's pray this out from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the cornerstone. You are the foundation, you are the truth, and you are the one who made a way of salvation for me. So by faith, I say I trust in you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you that I get to walk with you in this walk of salvation. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, say amen. Amen. If that's you today, and you prayed that prayer for the first time. Text us, email us, call us, whatever. Do not attempt to walk with God by yourself. Pastor Ron said it a couple weeks in a row. You know, come to Jesus, walk with God for yourself, but don't do it by yourself. Do it because you know I need him. Do it because you know, man, he's made me alive. But then don't try to do it by yourself. That's not the game, ever. So get with us and we will help you. Or get with a friend who you know knows Jesus, knows the word. So you can be discipled and trained up and taught so you can walk in everything he has for you and fulfill the purpose that God has on your life. All right, I love you guys. Bless you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.